Thank you for listening to our Love City Church podcast. Visit us online at www.lovecitychurch.ca. We pray that this message encourages you and strengthens you in your walk with Jesus. And Paul, everybody said? Amen. Amen. Come on, put your hands together for Pastor Dave Patterson tonight. Thank you, sir. Wow, no pressure, huh? No pressure. Bring in the angels and such. Well, it is an, actually an honor to be with you guys. And, uh, you know, I love being with teams. If it wasn't for the team at our church, and really in every church, and the team here, it, it doesn't happen. You know, church doesn't happen without a, a group of core people that have decided to invest their lives in something bigger than themselves. And so it really is an honor to build the church. I want to remind you a few things. By the way, I'm not going to preach a sermon with, with points and a bunch of scriptures. I am going to read some verses to you. Uh, I want what we share to, to be based out of the word, but uh, not a sermon so much as some thoughts to you as leaders, and you are the team that builds the church. And if we have any other pastors here, welcome. It's good to be with you. But think about this. We have the privilege to invest our lives in what Jesus gave his for. You know, he only claimed first-person ownership of the bride. He said, upon this rock, I will build my church. The gates of hell will not prevail against it. So the church belongs to Jesus, and it's his idea. It's not man's idea. It's not a denominational idea. It is God's purpose and plan. It is his number one plan to redeem humanity, is the local church. And that Greek word, ecclesios, means uh, called out and called together. And the called out and called together, he provides fivefold ministry, Ephesians chapter 4, leaders. And then God says, okay, I'm going to plant these churches in every city. If you look at Titus and Barnabas and Paul and all the New Testament uh, church planters and role models, their goal was to plant churches and appoint elders in every city. So God's idea, Calgary and Edmonton and wherever burg you're from, uh, it's, it's God's idea. And, and I want you to remember what a privilege to invest our lives his life is bigger than you working a good job and, you know, getting a second car and a good vacation and a retirement. I believe in all those things, by the way. I think I mentioned Maui today in our leadership meeting. Go there. God's, God's there. He, he, likes, he likes Maui. That's why he created it. But it's just not about a second home and a second vacation if all we're doing is building our empire. So uh, I want to be a, a pastor, a leader that always seeks to build the king's kingdom. And if you seek first his kingdom and right standing with him, he says, all these lesser important things will be added to you. And I, ministry is a really a life of focus that, God, I'm going to live for the more important things and set the less important things aside and let you add those in, in your good timing. And so I want to honor those of you. I know, you know, we got full-time pastors. They call us professional Christians, right? They actually pay your pastor to be a Christian, so don't mess it up. But for those of you who, no pressure, so those of you who work jobs and, you know, you work this week and you put in your 50 hours and your commute, and so to be here and give up your Saturday and invest your Saturday, it's very important. It's a very precious gift to the Lord. So I want to honor you for that. So a few thoughts I want to share in, in our time together. And by the way, I love a countdown clock, or can you have someone just start doing this when you've had enough? I'll, okay, I'll try not to go too far. Because uh, I always reach, but we preach with countdown clocks, and we're, we're pretty, pretty hardcore on that. It's, it's, it's wrong. But um, I, I want to talk to you about you developing and really honoring and treasuring the personal flow of the Holy Spirit in your life. Mm 
all right? So a little background on me. I shared just a taste of it today, but it really came out of a broken home, a broken ministry. Uh, my dad uh, was raised in a really rough setting. He never dealt with some things in his own heart and life. Uh, and so he grew up with a sexual addiction. He grew up with anger, and he went into ministry without being healed of that. And we're leaders here tonight, we're core team, and you know there are pastors that step into ministry without ever being healed of their hurts and wounds of the past. It's very lethal, it's very dangerous. So by the time I hit my mid-teens, me and my brother and sister, I have two siblings, we were in full-blown rebellion. So I, I spent from about 14 to 22 in severe drug abuse and alcoholism and addiction, and I was a train wreck of a life at the age of 22. So when Jesus freed me, and he really did lift me up out of a pit, my story is Psalm 40. David said, I waited patiently for the Lord, and he heard my cry, and he inclined his ear, and he bent down and picked me up out of the miry clay or the soup, and he set my feet upon a rock and put a new song in my mouth, even a song of praise to him, and many will see it and fear and put their trust in the Lord, and that's what God did to me. I was always a bit of a, uh, a musician uh, in Australia. They call them musies, you know, so I was a musie, and, and oh, wait, is it, we're not in Australia? Okay, Canada, that's right. <laughs> So when I came to the Lord, I just used my gift for him and started doing music. And, um, but the point I, I was making through all that and just sharing a bit of my story is, without the secret place, I would have never survived. My life verse is Psalm 27, verse 4. And it's one thing have I desired of the Lord, and that will, that will I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold his beauty and acquire of him within his sanctuary. So my public ministry has always been birthed out of a private relationship and love affair with Jesus Christ. And I would encourage you to do the same. Because if you're doing public ministry, if you're setting up, tearing down, setting up, tearing down, tearing down, setting up, setting up, tearing down, watch the kids, clean the kids, change the diapers, do the kids, do the PA, do the music, do the sermon. If that's the routine of your life without an intimate relationship where you're being refueled and recharged, you're going to burn out. You're going to get frustrated. And even a lead pastor, prepare the sermon, have the meeting, count the offering, do the deal. And it can become this treadmill of professional ministry that's exhausting. Yeah, yeah. If I could encourage you to do one thing tonight, it'd be this. Live from the secret place out to public ministry. Never from public ministry and then try to get some devotional time on. The, does that make sense to you guys? It's the best way to live. And we are building a culture together. We're not just building weekend um, services. We're building a culture, which is the, the consummation, the totality of our values and uh, our, our behaviors and our, our, the things we, we really treasure together as a team. And I want you to be in, intentional about that. Great culture whether in the business world or in the church world, they're always intentional. You don't build a great culture accidentally. There's always atrophy. There's always the tendency to, to fall to the lowest common denominator. And so you have to fight for good culture and intentionally build it. I, I think, do we have some slides? I'll say stuff, and by faith, it'll magically appear behind me. This is a definition of culture right here. Uh, the underlying values and beliefs that determine the feel the atmosphere and the DNA of an organization or community. Okay, look at that again. The underlying values, the beliefs that determine the feel, the atmosphere, the DNA. I love the DNA. It's a good description. It's the way we're engineered and wired and what, why we produce what we do of an organization or a community. So what you're building here is a culture. And when people come to your church, it's not what they hear in a sermon as much as what they pick up on that's in the atmosphere. Yeah. 
You know, there's been a lot of research done by Barna Group and a lot of church growth organizations in the States, and here's what they've proven, that people who come to a new church, they make a conscious decision whether or not they'll be back within the first 10 minutes. So before you get to the second song, bro, they've already, they're in or they're out. No pressure on you because they've already made an emotional decision based on the parking lot help, the greeters, signing their kids in, the feel in the room, yeah, those that welcome, all that makes up either an atmosphere and a spirit of excellence or mediocrity, they've already, they feel it and they know it. And so that's what the research shows, that people make a decision whether or not they'll go back to a church long before the pastor ever gets up and astounds them with his brilliance and his proficiency in the word. And so what I'm saying is, we're building a culture together. And excellence matters. And, and a smile matters. And people hugging folks in the parking lot matter. We had a testimony recently, a lady, our church sits right off of two freeways, and she saw it in the lights, and we do fire pits at night. So anyway, she pulls over, and she's suicidal. She's at the end of herself. She got out of her car, didn't even know what it was. And the first thing she saw, Pastor Ryan, was a cute little girl holding a sign saying, you belong here. And she said when she saw that, she actually teared up and thought, what is this place? She walked a little further and saw another sign, then the greeters welcomed her, and she said, they said, well, this is a church. You can come on in. She came in and, and, and ex ended up accepting the Lord. So never underestimate what's being done at every level of building a culture, because it's not one thing or the other. It's the consummation of everything we do that creates culture. Does that make sense? Acts 15, 19, I love this verse. It's a life verse for me. Uh, well, you can bring that down. Bring that down. Um, that was my bad. You guys are great back there. I love a media guy who's just on it. He's just like on it. Say the verses, boom. So here's the setup. So they're having an argument in Jerusalem. It's called the Jerusalem Council because they're trying to determine who's in and who's out. So first of all, the gospel came to the Jews, right? And Jesus said he was rejected by his very own. So now the gospel goes to the Gentiles, which means all the heathen nations. And because the gospel went to the Gentiles, I'm in the house. Okay, so I'm thankful for that. So these Gentile believers from Greece and everywhere else and Northern Africa and Egypt and different places, they're coming to Christ and they're receiving the Holy Spirit. And the Jewish believers are like, hey, what the heck? This is our religion, you know? So they have this big heated argument back in Jerusalem. And after they all share their story and Paul and Barnabas share the miracles, the, the elder statesman, uh, James says, hey, I've got something to say about this because religion, listen, especially dead religion, has always argued about who gets in and who gets out. Yeah. You don't dress the right way. You don't understand our culture. You got to, you know, believe like we believe before you get to belong. All the stuff that dead religion does. Grace comes and says what? You get to belong before you behave. Yeah. In fact, you get to belong before you actually believe. Yeah. If you allow people to belong first, they're going to fall in love with the culture. And then they're going to say, what is it you believe? Yeah. And then we let them believe like we believe. And then the Holy Spirit works from the inside out, not the outside in. Yeah. Dead religion and legalism works from the outside in. Yeah. And then they start to behave like we behave. So James stands up and back to the verse. Thank you, Mr. Media Man. Acts chapter 15, verse 19. And so it is my judgment that we should not make it difficult for those who are turning to God. Hmm. Think about that. That was his bottom line. Let's not make it difficult. Yeah. And I would encourage you, Love City Church and any other pastors here, 
let's not make it difficult because he's not talking about pre-churched, religious-saturated people that know the Torah and know how to go to synagogue. He's talking about heathens that have no idea. They've just heard something good has happened with all those people that are following this man called Jesus, who they claim is the Messiah, and they want in. So James says, let's not make it difficult. Now think with me for a moment. What are the things that make it difficult for people far from God to find God at church? There's a long list we could talk about. See, I was raised in a legalistic denomination where there was, it, it was a pre-church crowd, okay? So you kind of had to understand church culture. And probably 99% of our congregation were people that had been there forever or they were second and third generation Christians. And I'm telling you, if you have a church that just has second and third generation Christians or people who've been in church forever, it's going to get weird. Yeah. It just does. Yeah. God never built the church to be people that are always there that know everything that's going on. The church has always, you guys hearing what I'm saying tonight? Yeah. It's always been designed for the Gentiles, yeah. the clueless ones yeah. that just showed up going, I don't know what's going on here, but I want in. Yeah. So let's identify, I'm not going to go down a list, but let's identify the things in our church, in our culture, that would make it difficult for people that are far from God to come close to Jesus. And let's, let's take great care and painstaking effort to eliminate anything yes. that would complicate the message yeah. of grace. Amen. So that's been my goal in ministry Amen. since we started the church, because I really do believe that the church should never be exclusively for those who already know Christ. Yeah. And obviously, we're here to make disciples, right? And we're here for you to grow in your faith. But as you grow in your faith, what was God's great commission to you? For you to make disciples. So this thing is designed to where we're always making disciples. We're always reaching people far from God. There's a continual turnover. There's new babies. There's people that don't know what to do in church, right? So, And I could share some stories, that crazy stories. I'll just share two of them that come to mind. <laughs> We've had, some, we've had some folks show up at our church. Thousands of people have come and got saved at the Father's house and people that never been to church. So I remember this one day, guy sitting right where you are. Give me your first name again. James. James, thanks for leading, bro. So guy sitting right where James is at. Front row, I'm preaching. Place is packed, you know? I'm getting ready to be the man preaching the word of God. And this guy, back old school, this was years ago, but do you remember the one, the phones that hooked to your ear? You could just tap, right? Kind of a Star Trek kind of vibe, right? And if you still wear one of those, God love you, no condemnation, you be you. So he's sitting here with this little Star Trek phone, right? And it rings. And I'm like a little further away, but I'm on the stage. He's on the front row. And he's like, taps it. Hey, Bob, what's up? And I'm like, you know, I'm right here. I can hear this, right? And he goes, ah, I'm at this church. Uh, the father's something. I don't know. And he goes, uh, it's pretty good. You know, so I, he gets my ears. So I kind of slow down. He goes, yeah, this guy's not bad. And so, and then I'm just, I just can't believe this is actually happening to me. So I just let him take his call and he taps out. And then I'm like, okay, we'll move on. Another sermon I'm preaching, this whole family comes in the back, right? And in the, we bought a shopping center, uh, and next to it was an Asian restaurant, a Carl's Jr., and a strip club, and different things, all in the shopping center. So um, this, this family comes in, they're lined up across the back, and I notice that some bags start coming in. Well, they sent little Billy Bob out over to Carl's Jr. to get some, they hadn't eaten dinner. And right in the middle of the message, man, they're pulling out the Whoppers and the fries, and they're going down, and the whole place starts to smell like greasy hamburgers, man. And they didn't even twitch. They're just like, uh-huh, all right. You know, so you never know what you're going to get in church. I had a guy come up one day just bawling. 
And he goes, and I won't say the words for sure, but he goes, that was so blankety blanking beep, amazing that my life is beep and wrecked. I just blank and love you. And I'm like, my man. I got me a real Gentile right here, people. This guy ain't been to church before, but he gets it. So if we're going to build that kind of culture, I want to talk to you about flowing in the river of God uh, for about 10 minutes or so here. But I want to consider this prophecy that Ezekiel, so Ezekiel wrote a book in your Bible. He has a, a, a guided tour, a 3D tour of a temple. And it's a Christophany, which is a pre-incarnate appearance of, of God the Son. So God the Son shows up and shows him what I believe is a picture, a prophetic picture of the New Testament church. And a law in... Um, hermeneutics is to let scripture interpret scripture. So if there's something really plain, like don't kill people, that means don't kill people, okay? <laughs> don't commit adultery means don't commit adultery. There's no pr prophetic mystery to that one. But any scripture that, that's fuzzy or blurry or prophetic that needs interpretation, one of the first rules is to let scripture interpret scripture. Okay, there's your Bible college moment right there. So here's the verse I want you to look at, Ezekiel uh, 47.1. The man, here he is, whose appearance was like bronze, led me back to the temple's entryway, and there I observed a stream of water bubbling up from beneath the temple threshold, flowing eastward in the same direction the temple faced. All right? So he sees this impetus, this bubbling up. It's almost like a cleanup on aisle five, right? And there's water coming out of the temple. And most of you know this chapter, many of you would. This little bubble turns into a stream. It gets up to your ankles. Then it goes to the knees. And it becomes this mighty rushing river that you have to swim across. And it is a picture and type of the Holy Spirit. And so he begins to tell him uh, some things about this temple setting and about the river of God. And what I want to share in just a couple minutes is why it's so important for you to stay in the river yeah. as leaders, as workers. So um, I won't belabor these, but there's five prophetic images in this chapter. And here's what they are. There's the temple, which means the church. It's the house of God, Ephesians 2, 21, 22. You are the temple that God is building by his spirit. Then there's the water. Always the water, the fire, and the oil are always direct analogies and types of, excuse me, the Holy Spirit. So the mighty river, the Holy Spirit is the water. The trees are the leaders, the ministers, the dream team, okay? Everybody say, I'm a tree. Now, if you don't get anything else tonight, you're going to go out of here knowing, oh, I'm a tree. Oh, oh, that's what I am. Yes, you're a tree. Um, and then the salt sea is the culture. And then the abundance of fish is what? It's the harvest. Jesus said, I will make you fishers of men. Cast your net on the other side of the boat. 153 fish came in, which is significant to the harvest. So those are the five New Testament accurate analogies and applications. One thing uh, that I'll mention here, it says, if you read the chapter, that when this river flowing out of the sanctuary hits the salt sea or the culture, check this out, that the culture turns fresh. Now, nature works like this. Whenever you have a fresh stream flowing toward the ocean, when the fresh hits the salt, the fresh becomes brackish and undrinkable. But God says when the fresh water of his spirit hits culture, which is those outside the house, 
that culture has changed, which means that the river of God and the truth you guys carry was never meant to stay within the walls of the church. The fresh water of the Holy Spirit is always for people who are needing a, a change of heart. And so we got to get the river outside the doors of the house. All right. Churches are notorious for enjoying God in their sanctuaries and underneath their moving lights and their fog machines and their great hour and 15 minute services. We're guilty of that. But if we stop there without getting the water of the Holy Spirit outside the doors, the water will, in fact, dry up. Amen. So as a church, we're all about how many ways can we get the water outside? One way is this. We have thousands of small groups now and, and people who invite people over to their house. And we serve our city through, we love our city um, ministries. But all that is, is, is a simple attempt to do this. How can we get the tangible love of Jesus outside the walls of the church? How can we let people know there's living water that they can partake of? So let me talk about the trees for a minute. In verse 12 and 13, it says, Fruit trees of all kind will grow along both sides of the river. The leaves of these trees will never turn brown and fall. And look at this. And there will always be fruit on their branches. All right? There will be a new crop every month. For they are watered by what? The river flowing from the temple. Their fruit will be for food and the leaves for healing. Stay right there. He's talking about you. You are the oaks of righteousness, the planting of the Lord. You are the trees alongside the river. The ministers of the house, the team, those that reach, those that serve, those that sing. We are the ones that are to be so planted in the soil of the Word of God and watered by the Holy Spirit that we can bear fruit every month. That's crazy. And you never wear out. You never burn out. See, ministry burnout doesn't come from too much work. It comes from a lack of fruitfulness. You get burnt out in ministry not because you're praying hard or working hard or setting up and tearing down. You get burnt out when there's no fruit. And there's no fruit when there's not a continually water, a con continual watering of the Holy Spirit. A couple verses here to, to establish that in Scripture. Psalm 1-3, talking about the righteous. They're like trees planted along the riverbank, bearing fruit each season. There it is again. Their leaves never wither, and they prosper in all they do. Prosperity in your life, in your spiritual life, in your marriage, in your business, has everything to do with proximity to the Holy Spirit. See, the Holy Spirit of God will cause you to live in prosperity. You'll have prosperous thinking. You'll have, prosper, you'll have prosperous conversation and confession, which will lead to a lifestyle. Isaiah 61.3 says, They, that's the righteous, will be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of His splendor. Now, anytime you see an oak in Scripture, well, we even hear it in common vernacular, oh, that guy's an oak. He's an oak. What do you mean? He's strong and he's stable. He has longevity. You know, oak trees can live up to 1,000 years. Average lifespan of an oak is around 300 years old. So anytime you see an oak in the Bible, it's talking about stability and longevity. And that's what God wants for you. You know, my heart, and I know your pastor's heart would be this, that you don't have a five-year run at church and they get burnt out or tired of it and have to go somewhere else. You know, the, the guys I really love, because our church is almost 23, we have people with us, a lot of people with us, that were there at the beginning. So we, we have, um, we started with the eight and, and then, uh, you know, we grew, but of the original, let's say 150. And those are the people, I mean, I love everybody. I love new folks coming in, but there's something about an oak that comes in 22, 23 years later and they got their hands up and they're like, I'm right here, man. I ain't going anywhere. I'm a thousand year dude. You know what I'm saying? Millennial Christian. All right. Uh, in a different way. That's a different sermon you should have me preach. That's a lot of fun. Throwing millennials under the bus. What a joy. 
I got you. That's you, bro. All right. Uh, let's, let's wind this down. Colossians 2.7. Uh, your spiritual roots go deeply into his life as you are continually infused with strength. So there's a continual infusion with your roots going down. So this is the antidote to burnout and barrenness. I encourage in every way, for you are established in the faith you've absorbed and enriched by your devotion to him. Uh, Psalm 46.4 says, God is cons a constantly flowing river whose sparkling streams, what? Bring joy and delight to his yeah. people. So I'm just reading you a few verses here over and over again. Stability, strength, fruitfulness, joy, delight, prosperity. It's good. It's good. It's good. All right? Ministry is not painful. Ministry doesn't hurt. Ministry is a joy if you stay planted in the house and stay near the river of God. Amen. That's where you're watered. That's where you're fed. You know, as a, as a church, as a, as a leadership team, one of my greatest joys is to see our people loving the presence of God, loving worship. That's why we pray together as pastors every week, and, and it, it is a all hands on deck for Pursuit Night, and we're all there together. And let me just say one thing. You guys do this great tonight. I mean, you were, you were driving the worship service for sure, but your worship actually sets the culture for the church. And I tell our pastors, man, when it's time to worship God, we don't stand with our hands in our pocket or checking our text or yawning. I mean, we're all in. Why? Because we want the rest of the people that are watching you as leaders to find that place of worship. Final verse. Here we go. Exodus 33. Hey, can we just have the band come up and start doing what you do? It's all good. Just flow. Just pick something in the key of G. You know, I'm just messing with them. As they, because here's what happens whenever a pastor calls for the band to come. It's just a psychological uh, trick to make you think he's going to stop soon. <laughs> right? Yeah, I'm letting you in on some, some trade secrets. And then they'll say, in conclusion, at least five times. But anyway, so in conclusion, there's one. Look at this, ex Exodus 33:15. Moses says to God in this discussion about going into the promised land, if your presence does not go with us, do not send us up from here. How will anyone know that you are pleased with me and with your people unless you go with us? What else will distinguish me and your people from all the other people on the face of the earth? I'll read one verse in the NLT. For your presence among us sets your people apart from all other people on earth. Let me ask you this. You guys can go ahead and play. Jump on in. What else will distinguish Love City Church or whatever church you're part of? What will distinguish us from the Elks Club or the Boy Scouts or the whoever's out there, right? Whatever club or organization that has a gathering, a building, a creed, and a leader. Well, guess what it is? It's not our doctrine. Because people don't care. People don't care if you think you're right about the truth. Everybody has, and here's a mantra in our generation, oh, I got to live my truth, bro. Yeah, you live your truth, I got my truth. So everybody has their version of truth, which is just their own homespun mix of deception. But here's the thing. What will make a di difference you cannot deny is the river of God, the presence of God. So I want you to be a leader that says, God, Wherever you lead me in, in my life, don't lead me up from here without your presence. I want to be a man. I want to be a woman of the secret place. Let me give you a practical tool and then we'll stand. Whatever you got to do in your life to stay in this river. For me, when I first got saved, I worked swing shift at a treatment plant in Oregon. 
And uh, I'd get off work at midnight. I'd drive straight to the church, just fresh out of addiction. And no one told me to do this. And I'd probably spend three or four hours with Jesus. That's, I, that's all I knew how to do to keep from getting high and breaking down and face planting in life. And something happened. I started my life in that secret place. And for the last 37 years of ministry, that's been the key for me. It's not seminars and conferences and going to Hillsong and being around big shots. And I love all that. I love big shots and little shots and medium shots. Just love shots. <laughs> i tell you what it has been for me. He always meets me in the secret place. You can go there. You can go there. I mean, there's so much great worship. And let me give you a practical tip. Put together a playlist together of some of the greatest worship and spontaneous moments from Leland to Hillsong to Elevation to, you know, grab them all. And get that and go into your secret place and, and find a place where you can get a piece of carpet. Get your Bible in front of you and a journal and some time on your hand. You start your day like that every day. And you're going to be refreshed. You're going to bear, bear fruit every month. Ministry is not going to be a burden. You, you won't be able to wait to get to church and be able to smile and hold that sign that says, You look amazing. Who, me? Yeah, you. I'm telling you. What do you say we stay in the presence? Amen. Have a hunger and a thirst for the presence of God. Come on, stand to your feet. We're going to worship together, man. Thank you for listening to our Love City Church podcast. Visit us online at www.lovecitychurch.ca. We pray that this message encourages you and strengthens you in your walk with Jesus.